I just want us to do something I've been thinking about doing for a long time and I've not been able to do but I've done it in a way. The message you're about to hear is in my book, Demons, uh, sorry, it's by faith through belief. It's there so you can follow up after there's a chapter on it and that is part of the things I put in this book that made it big but my purpose is clarification of the truth of faith. So this evening, I want to do a quick teaching. It's going to be a few messages. Amen? Amen. I don't even think we'll go beyond volume one, but who knows? Let's see. Amen? Um, what I want to talk about this morning is a, a very clarifying message. And I feel it is necessary that we do it so that it will clarify whatever needs to be clarified. Over the past couple of years, I've thought so much on faith. And, um, and I, I think that the message you're about to begin to hear tonight will clarify a lot more than I have ever clarified about the meaning of faith. Amen? So the message today, the title is The Word Faith. The Word What? Hallelujah. I'm talking about understand, receive, and experience the various shades of meanings of the word faith in the Bible. Understand, receive, and experience the various shades, shades, S-H-A-D-E-S, shades of meanings of the word faith in the Bible. Message number one, faith in the Old Testament. Let me give you a gist of what I'm about to talk about. Here's what I, I, I mean. The word faith, like many other words, has more than one meaning. Praise the Lord. You didn't, you didn't hear me? Did you hear me? Do you know that in most languages, and in this case, we are looking at primarily at the English language. The word faith has more than, each word has more than one meaning. And here, we're going to look at the meaning of the word faith. And I'm letting you know that in the Bible, the word faith has more than one meaning. And I'm going to, what we have been dealing with over time, having just one meaning and one usage of the word faith. And I don't want you to go out here and get, go into the Bible or come in contact with somebody else. He uses the word faith in another sense, and you get lost. Are you following what I'm doing? Huh? So, um, the point is that, and this is very, very important. I feel that this is important. I'll, I'll let you know why it's important. Why it's important is that because the subject of faith, in the Bible is highly misunderstood to the point that many people are confused about it. Praise God. Amen? And also, so it's, mis it's highly misunderstood and confusing to many people. And I believe that it is therefore necessary to clear, make some clarification about the nature of that word. 
and about the various uses of that word in the Bible. Praise the Lord. Remember I said it has many shades of meaning. Is that true? All right. So, and if you do not clarify these various meanings, there will continue to be confusion. And because of that, there will be a lot of misunderstanding. And because of that, God purposes for faith may be lost. And if we have to understand these various shades of meaning, we have to go back behind the English language and understand the meaning of this word in the ancient languages from which, uh, into which the Bible, in which the Bible was originally written. How many of you know that English language is not the original language of the Bible? Amen? What are the languages that the Bible were written in originally? Uh, let's start from the Old Testament. No, Old Testament. Hebrew. Hebrew. Okay? Majority of the Old Testament was Hebrew in its original form. Amen? All right. Um, and then... New Testament was written 90-something percent Greek. Are you following? Greek. There are little phrases in another language known as Aramaic. Why Aramaic? Because in, Pala in, in, in Israel in the days of Jesus, and when the New Testament was compiled, Aramaic was the major language they spoke there. In the Old Testament, they spoke mostly Hebrew over there. Hebrew was a restored language. A lot of people don't know that. It was part of the devil's plan was to get have it lost. So by the time Jesus was born, you know, the various empires were capturing the land of Israel and ruling it. And then when they come, they come there with their language. So the Greeks first, uh, uh, second to the last empire, then the Romans. When Jesus was born, it was the Romans in power. But the language then for writing and compiling books and materials and texts was Greek. But the language spoken in that area, the language that Jesus himself, himself spoke, was mostly Aramaic. Is that clear? All right. So when you talk about the original languages of the Bible, it's mostly Hebrew and what? Greek. Hebrew for the Old Testament for the most part. Greek for the New Testament for the most part. You do have Aramaic words or terms in the New Testament. Now the thing about Aramaic is that it was the language, the spoken language uh, uh, by the Jews at that time. They spoke Aramaic, they spoke Hebrew, but at that time Aramaic was a Syrian language and it was the most common language they were speaking. But when it comes to official documents and writings and books, it was Greek. So that we don't, we don't get confused. Is that clear? You know, a little bit of, of uh, Bible school here. So <laughs> sometimes it pays, eh? All right. So, so much of what we have as the Bible today didn't exist in the English language. And because of that, a lot of problems and that's why we have the need, we began to have the need for translation. Amen? And because of when you translate words, certain words lose meaning. 
And sometimes words are ad meanings are added to words. And also, generally, ordinarily, as language evolves, certain words lose certain meanings. I remember when my father was alive. You know, he used to show me things in our language, our native language that changed. When they were growing up, they had certain words. Mom can relate to some of that, or my mother-in-law too. You know, the vernacular changed. There are certain words that changed. And it was the same language, not different dialects, the same dialects. Words began to develop, evolve. And sometimes they devolve, it's like the English. And that's why some of us find the King James Bible a little out of this world, the cake. Amen? Because it was the form of English known as the Elizabethan English. You know, they, they, use, they use words like thee, thou. Hmm? Behest and all kinds of old English. So today, if I'm addressing a regular uh, group of English language speakers and I begin to speak that, they'll be looking at me. I, are you following? Because language evolves. Now, the meaning changes. In that old English, old English, if I say, in the modern English now, if I say you, I have to explain what I mean by you. Because you could be used singular or plural. But in the old form, if they say thee, don't look around, it's you. Singular, okay? Or thou. Don't look at your neighbor, it is thou. Are you following? So because of that, words change meaning. Uh, and when they translate in the English, they don't take everything. Every language, if you look at your language, I see a lot of Igbo songs being put up there or translated into English. <laughs> I, I nod my head and say, no, it didn't really come out when it, they translated into English. They, they drop a lot of things. And uh, also, they may add certain things. And as we say, leave it for that for now. When I have time, I have to work on some of them. Praise the Lord. So, but tonight, we're going to start with the Old Testament. The use of the word faith in the Old Testament. The first thing we have to observe is in, in the Old Testament, even though faith has a strong presence in the Old Testament, faith as a truth, faith as a biblical doctrine, faith as an experience, had a strong presence in the Old Testament. But most of the time, the word faith, which is noun, the, the idea of faith was not spoken of in the noun form in the Old Testament. What is the noun? Faith. Faith is a noun. The word faith is a noun. Are you all following? If you remember some of the messages we gave before, or if you read my book, you will see. So even though there were people exercised faith in the Old Testament, people experienced faith in the Old Testament, the word you could, with one exception, you couldn't find, you wouldn't find the word faith as a noun in the Old Testament. I will, and I will give you the exception. So how do they communicate the word faith in the Old Testament? They use the verb form. Um, we're talking about the English now. We're talking about the English Bible, okay? English Old Testament. So they use the verb form for the most part. What is the verb form for the word faith? Anybody knows? Come on, TLC. Is that why you didn't invite somebody? What is the verb for 
the English word, faith. Mm -hmm. well, first and foremost, what do verbs represent? Action. So when we're talking about faith, what's the action side of faith? Believe. 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 So in the Old, old Covenant, you with, with one exception, you, must have, uh, you couldn't find the word faith as a noun. But you'll find the word believe or to believe most of the time. Are you all following? But it's the same idea. Faith and belief, even though they are separate, they are joined at the hip. They are related. The one cannot exist without the other. Are you all following? All right. So the noun is hardly used. But the verb in the Old Testament, pay attention to that, is most often used. And we are going to find out why. Praise the Lord. Let's look at where that exception, where the, the, um, the noun is used. Turn with me to, to Habakkuk. It's a good thing we started with Habakkuk early in the day. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know where it is? Finally, you got it. Habakkuk 2, 4. You know it because of Habakkuk 3, 17. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Habakkuk. You see, you're still looking for Habakkuk. You think I will change it? I can't change it. That's no other. Because I told you, there's only one exception. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Wow. Thursday evening. Amen. Did you find Habakkuk? Okay, don't keep me here all night. Chapter 2, verse 4. Anybody has it? Media, give it to us. 2, 4. Let's, we're going to read it. No, let's, it's on the board there. Yeah. Amen. It said, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. That's Habakkuk. You know the interesting thing about that scripture? It was quoted three times in the New Testament. It was mentioned how many times in the Old Testament? Once. Are you all listening? Huh? But it is used how many times in the New? Three times. And we were going to see that later. Amen? And we will explain it when we go over to the New Testament. Please. I don't want us to get into explaining it. It's a very powerful scripture. What does it say? But the righteous will live by what? His faith. What are the alternatives for the righteous to live with? Don't fail me now. What are the alternatives that the righteous could live with that are not acceptable before God? Thank you. Flesh, self, flesh and self one side, and what works. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so I, I, I don't want to get into explaining that, but we will explain it on the... The new covenant is very, very important. Now, you, you, you notice that it's the righteous. That's why he lives by faith. Why? Because faith is the way to experience appropriate righteousness that comes from God. Because that righteousness is grace. It's a manifestation of grace. Are you following? Huh? Uh, anything that faith could not receive is not grace. Anything received from any, by any other way other than faith is not from God. Why? Uh, because it is not of what? Grace. Do you want me to say that again? Do you want me to say that again? It's very important. Very important. 
Amen? Okay. Anything that is received by anyone, by a means other than faith, is not from God. And guess what else? It, it is not. It is not of grace. The only way to receive grace is by what? Faith. First and foremost, what is grace? Again, you see, you can't avoid. There are things you can't avoid in, 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 in your Christian life, especially in teaching. If you have to go through Bible teaching, there are things you can't avoid. So what is grace? Anybody? I have tried to modernize, use in easy ways to define grace. Over almost every Sunday or Thursday in the past three years. <laughs> Am I right? And we define, come to that definition. So what is grace? Because you have to understand what grace is. What is grace? Huh? And don't give me God's unmerited favor. That everybody knows that. And that is true. Wait. God's unmerited favor is true. It's good. But it's a bumper sticker. Have you heard me say that before? It's a what? Bumper sticker. Bumper stickers are good, but they can't help you much. Bumper sticker can be triumphant life church. But you stand by the door. You don't know whether they are up, upper level or lower level. Is that correct? That's bumper sticker. All right? Yes. Uh, uh, you want to say something? Huh? It's done. You don't deserve it. That's good. Very good. You don't deserve it and you have it. Anything that you don't deserve, but you have, you receive from God, is grace, right? Okay. But let, let, let me hear another angle. Okay. Very good. God's offer of what? Himself. That's where grace begins. God's offer of what? Himself. And, and I like to use the word investment because that kind of offer is an, with an investment attitude. Are you all following? It's with a sense of investment. But you have to choose to receive or not, to take it or not. And that's the thing about grace. Are you all following? Okay. So God's offer of what? Himself is all that he is and all that he what has to who to us huh okay that's where the deserving comes in why is he giving it to us because we deserve it no the reason why he's giving to us we don't deserve it so he's giving it to us in order to do what for what purpose to enable us to enable us to be what we couldn't be to do what we couldn't do. Are you following? To have what we couldn't have. That's grace. Did you notice that? And uh, broadly speaking, broadly speaking, in terms of constitution or composition, that will include his purposes, that's where those come in, his plans, and guess what? His what? Provisions, that's a world. That's a whole what? World. Anything you ever need. God has provided for it under a plan, under a program. I would like to say a welfare or well-being 
program. You know, the countries of this world have welfare programs. Or I would like to call God's own well-being program. Okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay, so he offers to us so that for our what? Well-being. How does his grace mean, meet our well-being? Listen to this. Because his grace offers his provisions, his purposes, his plans, and his provisions. Do we need his provisions? We don't just need them. We depend on them. <laughs> Give me any of one of God's provisions that you depend on as we speak. As we speak. You don't even need to get home or get to work tomorrow and discover you need it. As we speak. Life, very good. Life. But you, you guys are medical people. That's why you went to life first. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's good. It's good though. Give me one simple one. Simple. The air we breathe. The air we breathe. You know, you f- we, all of us fought masks at the beginning. You know, is that true? Because you cut down on our air, we, we were suffocating. No, you have no idea how much you can breathe air. Do you know there are people who walk about with oxygen tank? It, it, that thing has to run with force into their nostrils because they can't breathe anymore. You don't understand. So I'm talking about grace. Do we need the air for our well-being? Could man produce air? You mean the greatest scientist among us cannot produce air? Then you think about many things the air does. You know, I want to board a flight. Without air, you can't, that plane cannot fly. No matter the engineering work that I put on it. See that fan blowing? It's not blowing his own air. He has no air. <laughs> All he has is blade. He's blowing the air God put in place. And that's grace. If there were no air, the fan maker will go hungry. How many of you are in control of their heartbeats? Okay, so I don't want to get there now, but you understand what I'm saying. All right, so... The righteous will live by his faith. So, and only the righteous can do that. And when you see somebody living by his faith, that's God's definition of a righteous person. When he begins to live by works or self or law or works, he's walking away from righteousness because God will not accept his works. He will not accept any of those things. And instead of receiving blessing, he will receive corruption and condemnation. Is that okay? So that's why the Habakkuk said that we are going to move over. So that's the only place in the Old Testament that the word faith was used in its noun form. But it's repeated how many times? Three times where? In the New Testament. It's something we are going to visit when we come over to the New Testament. So but the verb to believe is found frequently in the, Old Test- in the Old Testament. But that doesn't mean the people didn't exercise faith. Even though when it came to several things, they walked in hope more than in faith. Take for instance, about the coming of the Messiah. They couldn't exercise faith. They exercised what? Hope. Because they kept looking forward for his coming. Many of them died without seeing him. Many of them died confessing seeing him in the spirit. 
And he liked that. They hoped for him. So when he got resurrected, he went to visit them. He said, your hope is here. And they saw him and they rejoiced. And, they, and he resurrected them. He took them up. Amen. But for us, about his first coming, we are not hoping. We are looking at it with what? Faith. Through what? Belief. But about his second coming, we are hoping. Is that clear? Don't let anybody confuse you. A lot of confusion is go, go, going on these days. Anyway, let's look at the, the verb form and a few places where it was used. We are going to look at two places where it was used. The idea of faith was used in the verb form in the Old Testament. Go with me to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 20. Second Chronicles 20, 20. Yep. This is part of the scripture we read about two weeks ago. Remember Second Chronicles 20, 20? Okay. Uh, Jehoshaphat and Israel and the victory they had over and against the three nations that rose against them. So, in the morning of their attack, here's what the Bible said. They arose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust. And we're coming to that. As some other versions say, Believe huh, in the Lord your God. And you will be what? Established. Next. Put your trust or believe also where? In his what? Prophets. And do what? Succeed. You see, the, the righteous shall live by what? Faith. Is God, does God expect the righteous to succeed? That's only one way. By faith, through belief. You see that? Okay. Put your trust or believe. So you see that. That's the experience of faith. But it's put in the verb form. So it's faith right there. Are you, are you all following? Except that in communicating it, they didn't use the noun form. They used the word, the verb form. Praise God. We'll come back to this scripture when we're looking at meaning. Now, let's go to Isaiah 7, 9. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 9. I don't know if I'm communicating anything to you this evening. Am I? Amen. I just want you to enjoy it. You know, this is a, a special one. <laughs> For those who showed up tonight. Hallelujah. 7-9. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Ramalea. If you will not believe, you certainly shall not last. <laughs> Did you see that principle there? The one that will last, survive, and excel is the one who believes. Hmm? Then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, so on and so forth. Uh, so on and so forth. Let's not bother getting into that. Nine and ten is enough. So you see faith spoken of there in the form of what? In the verb form. What is the verb form for faith? To believe or believe. Is that correct? What is the noun form? Faith. So you can go on and on. In the Old Testament, most of the time, faith is uh, uh, implied as an experience among God's people. The, the word you will find is the verb form, to believe. Is that correct? So because why I'm teaching you this, somebody might say, say oh, you know what, there was, there was no faith in the Old Testament. They didn't have faith. They didn't, no, it's not true. They did. And they also, for several other things, they exercised what? Hope. Are you all following? 
You notice like in the battle that Judah fought with the three nations. They didn't go with hope, otherwise there will be no Judah today. Are you following? They didn't go there hoping for God to deliver them. Is that true? Huh? They, but they were hoping for the coming of the Messiah. Uh, and that's usually the meaning, the use of hope. And let me say this to you. Hope is usually exercised when or called for. When you are dealing with expectation of God's intervention in the future. Are you following? For, uh, for your future needs also. But when you're dealing with your present needs, whether in the Old Testament or in the New, when you're dealing with your present needs, what is, what is it that call is, what is the experience that's called for? What is it? Faith and belief. You appropriate, by it you appropriate God's provisions for present what? Needs. In hope, you exercise hope to appropriate God's provision for what? Future need. You see the future need, and you are not going to have the experience now, but you know it's there in the bank waiting. Is that clear? Okay, I want to be as clear as clear can be. And I remember this story. Always remember my proverb, the proverb of the fork and spoon. Do you remember it? Amen? And Sister Vi doesn't remember. He looked, looked at the husband. <laughs> Praise the Lord. You want me to, to repeat it so I can get it right? All right. Trying to use hope for the things God has kept for faith, for you to receive by faith. It's like trying to drink coffee with pork. <laughs> okay, you get it now. If you dip the fork in the coffee, it will be wet. Huh? But try to use it to bring some coffee to your lips. Okay. The most, the best you can have is to wet your lips. You cannot even wet it. And you better not be hot. Then you get burned trying to get something inside your, 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 into your mouth. Do you understand what I'm saying? But when you use spoon, you get coffee. Oh, how about just dipping it down? Praise the Lord. Or soup. If you like, you use soup. Some of you, I didn't want to use soup, so then you start wanting to go from too early to grand. Eat soup tonight. I, so I don't want to remind you. I don't want to bother you with that. But do you understand what I'm saying? Amen? So these are the two uh, the, the examples I, I'm, uh, you know, that we have tonight. But let me say something here. So what does, under the Old Testament, the word that we, they translate into believe or faith, as we have seen. There are two words. Huh? That they trans under the Old Testament, that they translate into faith and into believe. Two words. You, you want to know what they are? A little Hebrew here. Is that okay? One is aman. Aman. A-M-A-N. Does it sound similar to any word? What word? No, 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 those are two letters, uh, uh, two different words. I mean one singular word that you know of, that that sounds like. Let me spell it again. A-M-A-N. Amen. Amen. Because they are from the same root. Are you following? So put it under your belt, we'll come to that. Okay. The other word is emuna. E-M-U-N-A. If you like, you put an H. 
Now, I, I don't normally like to bother you with Hebrew and Greek. But tonight, I think you, you can't avoid it. It's, um, how do they call it in college? Uh, the course you must do. Elective. Is it elective? Okay, elective. So it's some elective, yeah. All right? No, don't worry. You, you, do, you won't need a wet towel on your head. No. It's, it's going on. Is it going on well so far? Okay. Aman, or man, means, means to confirm. It means to stand firm. And get what else it means? To believe. A man. What did I say it means? To confirm. Oh, okay, let, let's start with standing firm. It means to stand firm and to what? Believe. And it means to what? Come confirm. And if you look at all those three, they mean the same thing. You know what? When you confirm the truism of something, you stand firm on it. Is that true? Huh? And it's called what? Believe. What else is it called in English? Trust. Trust. The word believe and trust are the same. Oh, no. Come on. I don't think you understand what I'm saying. Am I making sense to you this evening? This is very clarifying. And I feel, I know you have, you have not read that book, and you have not read that. I, I don't know. But because I've taught this, I'll leave you to do the rest. It's up to you. But let me say this to you. You cannot, you see, when you don't confirm information, you're very unsure. Is that true? And you don't know what to do or what to say because, you, do, you, you, you know, you have not confirmed it. You wait to confirm it. Huh? But when God says something and you're able to confirm it huh? in the Bible uh, by, or by experience, what do you do? You stand firm. That means you believe him or you are what? Trusting. They say, this and so we have to say, no, that's not what the Bible said. If somebody wakes up today and say, Jesus is coming back by September 2nd. That's my birthday anyhow. So just, it just came up. I don't know. <laughs> and, and I don't want them to mess with my birthday, okay? If somebody says, Jesus is coming on September what? 2nd. What are you going to say? You say can never. It's not. It's not. And listen, Jesus can come on that day, but he hasn't told us why. Why? Because the Bible says on that day, if you end up, you go back to your house and say, wait a minute, this man. You say, uh-uh. See what the Bible said. From that moment on, you go shopping. You pray well. You keep yourself. And say, Jesus, is not coming that day, but if he chooses to come that day, he comes. Whether, but whether it's coming or not, he, wouldn't, he didn't tell anybody any day he come because the Bible said we will not know. Something happened, very interesting. There's this preacher in Nigeria who's been saying a lot of things that, that are not biblical. The last one now that's causing havoc all over the place, yes, he said that God didn't tell Noah to build an ark. He said Noah built the ark by his own idea. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding you. If I call you, some of you may have been following him and so on and so forth. This guy, been, and I've been telling people, this guy doesn't, I mean, he teaches certain things. You say, wow, wow. And he's, he has the oratory and all that. But, he, he, you know, but the word of God is not about how you pray. It's about fact. He said it wasn't God's idea. He said God never, and he was streaming. I said, I'm preaching good here. And people were, 
<laughs> oh, you want another one? He said, he said that Jesus is, listen to me, he said, Jesus is not the lion of the tribe of Judah. He said, the elder that said that in the Bible, he said that elder was not well thought. It was an elder that sat before the throne of God. You say he's not well thought. Now you are the one that's well thought. I, I, do you understand what I'm saying? Well, people began to throw scripture and say, uh-huh, I made my own comment. Let, let's see, for instance, you go to Genesis chapter 6, quickly. Genesis 6, quickly. This is not part of our message, but I'm just telling you why you need to be well thought. So when people come with their shenanigans, you have to know where they are. Because if you don't know the truth, you can't stand firm. And you can't con- uh, you, you, and if you cannot confirm, you can't stand firm. You can't believe, you cannot trust. You will be swept away. Are you in Genesis 6? Uh, uh, you go to verse 13. Let's see that. And if, you, if you're doubting me, I'll, I'll play you the clip next service. Then God said to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Moving on. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the what? With the earth. Next. Make for yourself and what? An ark. God did not just even tell Noah to, uh, to be in an ark. In fact, he told him the exact wood, the measurements, how many rooms. How could you be a man of God? You didn't know that. And you went up there and emphatically stated what you are stating. Make the ark with rooms and shall cover it inside and outside with it. Now, if God didn't ask Noah, guess who, who closed the door of the ark when Noah and his people entered? It was God. If God didn't ask him to do it, he would say, that's not my business. You go. And they would have perished in that ark. All right. So I'm just telling you what, what the essence of that a man a moon, uh, and uh, a man. So we say it's to confirm, to do what, to affirm, or to, to do what, to, to stand firm, meaning to believe or to trust. See, when you stand firm, you're trusting. To trust is to rely on. And the reason why you believe is when you rely on the word as shown to you by faith. Is that, is that trust? Huh? Okay. So that's the meaning of that. Amen. So from that, you find the word amen or amen. Amen means God has said it. Praise the Lord. I agree with it. How do I agree with it? I confirm it, I affirm it, I say what? So be it. I say what? It is what? Settled. That's the meaning of amen. And God is looking for somebody that will say, hey, I see what is going on around me. My senses are showing me so and so and so. The situations and circumstances are showing me so and so and so. But guess what? God's word says this. And because God's word says this, even though this and that and that are looking so and so, let it be so with God's word. I am settled with that. And therefore, I confirm it that what God said, it is so. Is that not what confession is about? Saying with your own mouth what God will say in his word. What part of the whole experience is that? Is that not believing? Amen. Praise the Lord. I say praise the Lord. And so, I, after, I don't just say it. After I say it, I stand on it. How do I stand on it? How much of standing do I do? I stand firmly on it. You check most of the miracles in the Bible. They happened 
when men say amen to the word of God. That's what Mary said to the angel. Amen. Simply. When Jesus said to Peter, put your net there. He said, I've told on it, but at your word. Is that amen? Why, what does that mean? That is what? To confirm, to trust, to rely, to affirm. Give me second Corinthians. Let's look at the New Testament and see whether God, what God wants us to do with respect to that. And we move over to the last word and we close. Is that not good for tonight? Are you being blessed by this word? Amen? You need to, listen to me, we're going to go to another level. I mean, our level has been good. Amen? But I want to, want to ratchet it up now. From now on, has our level been good for the past 20-something years? It was so good that Sue had to run to Radio Shack one afternoon and brought a noisy cassette. When they want to change the tape, I have to stop. I, I, I didn't even need sign. They press it. I said, Bacon! <laughs> I stop. And they change it, and the tape has to roll. I wait. I pause. No, we've been through, you know. I pause. And then she will signal. She was the media, one woman media ministry. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm telling on her. Are you in 2 Corinthians chapter, what did I say? Chapter 1. Quickly. 2 Corinthians 1. Quick, quick, quick. Let's go. Let's go to verse 20. Verse 20. Quick, 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 quick. I have a few minutes to go. Amen. For as many as are the promises of God in him, Jesus Christ, they are what? Yea. God says what? Yea. Jesus said what? Yea to the promises of God. On the cross, his death on the cross. Remember what he said before he died. The Bible says now, Jesus, seeing that all things have been accomplished, in order that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. They gave him vinegar to drink. After that, he gave up the ghost. And before he gave up the ghost, what did he say? It is finished. That's yes. All of God's promises is accomplished at that time. He said, therefore also through him is what? Who says the amen? Us. Jesus says, confirmed. We have to join him by saying what? Amen by us. Through him is our amen to the glory of God. Amen. All right. Let's go to the second word. What's the second word? Emuna. Amen. Amen. Emuna means he has a twofold meaning. One meaning applies to man, the other meaning applies to God. Are you ready for the twofold meaning? Okay. On God's side, okay. And the word emuna means simply faithfulness. The word emuna means what? Faithfulness. So, again, it is not that exact short form ver, uh, uh, noun, faith. It is now a longer noun, known as what? Faithfulness. The Hebrew is what? Emuna. So, faithfulness on the part of God. What is faithfulness on the part of God? Faithfulness on the part of God is that God's attitude of covenant commitment by which he responds to man's faith. And is said to be faithful, dependable, or reliable. Here, here, here's what it means. Faithfulness is a character attribute in God. God never struggles with faithfulness. Are you listening to me? It's part of God's attribute. And it's a character. What is great about that character of God? It's an attitude of what? Commitment with which 
he responds to his people, especially when they exercise faith. Even when they are not, you know that as man, we are not perfect in that. Uh, are, are you all following? So, but God has a covenant attitude. What's that covenant attitude about? His commitment to who? To us, to man, and to his people. Whereby, he responds to them. Hmm? Even where they themselves are not faithful. How many of you can attest to that? Okay, how many of us can say we have been faithful 24-7? How many of us are faithful in 12 days, in daytime? How about at night before you fall asleep? How about when you are sleeping? You can't even allow the cover to be on you many times through the night. You can't even maintain a good position. Maybe you started sleeping this way. Okay? But, but and some of you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the next two hours, one arm is there. You're not faithful. The other arm is there. You went to bed happy, you woke up moody. That's who we are. Huh? Or you woke up moody, or you woke up laughing and smiling. Praise the Lord. But however we are, God remains what? Faithful. What does faithfulness mean? Never forget this. Huh? It is the covenant-keeping commitment or attitude that God has towards man or his people. Even the unfaithful among us receive God's covenant-keeping commitment. The commitment by which God enters into relationship with man is faithfulness. And you know what that makes God? He makes God reliable and what? Dependable. How often? All the time. Eternally. That's why we're able to say it's the same yesterday, today, and what? Forever. It's not only in the exercise of his power. Are you all following? Hallelujah. You don't understand what I'm saying. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that's a muna. It's used in the, in the New Te Old Testament about God and also in the New Testament. Now, what does that emuna say about man? Amen? Emuna or faithfulness, for man, it means, here's what it means. That enduring attitude or that attitude of enduring and consistent exercise of what? Faith and what? Belief. Known also as what? Trust. Is that correct? Toward who? Toward God. Does anybody follow what I'm saying? You want me to say it again? Okay, pay attention. If, if, you, if you can put it down later. God is not the only one that we should expect to be faithful. The only difference is that he, he is consistently so. He expects man to be faithful too. You believe that? God expects man, let me not say man, he expects his people, because he doesn't really expect the outsider to be faithful. He expects his people to be faithful. What does that mean? He expects us to have that attitude and habit of enduring and consistent or constant exercise of what? Faith toward him. Okay? To the extent that he can and others, he and others can do what? Depend or rely on us. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I have found that to be very, very good. 
You know, I can tell you coming to this service, I know the people I'm going to see here. You know why? Because those people are fairly dependable. They are fairly what? Reliable. They are fairly what? Faithful. Are they perfectly so? No. But you know, for man, it's a good process. For God, it's his native nature. Did you understand what I'm saying? But the reason why he kept us on earth and put us through certain things is to train us to come to that level. And when we come to that level, then the things we are doing will be blessed. Marriage will be blessed. Is that not true? Church and churching will be what? Blessed. Is that, is that correct? Parenting. Parenting. Children will learn and live at peace in the home. Is that not true? That's why if anything happens to mommy, the child is crying. He doesn't know who can do what mommy does for him. Are you all following? Or if that, that is not there, what's life going to be like? But there are some also who have daddy who's never home. Who's out with another woman, another set of children who are not even his. Do you understand what I'm saying? So if you're a Christian also, that's a two-way. And that's what it means to trust God. Is that correct? And that's what it means for you to be what? Trusted. Now, the word trust, being dependable, being reliable, being faithful, are the same. Do you know that's what, if you understand that about God, you may receive some breakthrough, miraculous breakthrough. Can you give me an example of somebody in the Bible who just received breakthrough based on that attribute of God? You've not read my book. You know, the best thing to do is to let you go home without that. You want me to, to give you one example? Huh? Okay. Yeah. Somebody wants to help. What do you say? Yeah, Abraham, good. Good example. Good. All right. I won't, I won't rephrase the question because I don't want you to get it. Go to, go, you go with me to Hebrews 11. I'll show you the person. If, because what gave this person the opportunity to exercise faith was God's faithfulness. Sister Buchi, you want to try? The way you're looking at me. Oh, yeah. You got it. Praise the Lord. So you and Okuchi, you love Abraham's family. All right. Are you in Hebrews 11? Show me verse, uh, I believe, is it verse 17 or so? Uh, let me see. Let me see verse. Um, hmm. I forgot to say that. Is it 11? Try 11. Try 11. Hmm. Yes, 11. By faith, even Sarah herself did what? Received what? Ability to what? Conceive. Even when? Even when? Beyond the proper time of life. That's what God showed me about Sarah's faith. You know, Abraham's faith, something has helped Abraham. You see? Well, here, something else is helping Sarah. Is that correct? Watch what helps Sarah believe. It may help you tonight. I didn't hear an amen. amen. That may help you tonight about your situation. Amen. You know, dependable people are quick to find out other dependable people. Because Sarah was a dependable woman. was a faithful woman. So that's why she was, could appreciate God's faithfulness and dependability. Huh? Even beyond the proper time of life, since she, listen to that, she, since she considered him, 
faithful who had what? Promise. You see that? It wasn't, her main thing about God wasn't God's power. You have to understand that. Because, you know, you can have power, but you're not faithful. Look at Samson. Look at you and me. Don't we have anointing? But are we faithful with it? No. I don't even want to go to back as far back as Samson. You know, a, listen. A leper came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, if you're willing, if you're willing, and that willingness, part of it is faithfulness. And Jesus, the Father has sent Jesus to heal every Jew that was sick, leprosy or anything. Other people, priests, you can't come close to them. The priests before Jesus, who were the ones appointed by God to heal the leper. Huh? They won't touch you. You will stand afar and say, unclean, unclean. And they give you the prescription over the counter with a big shade. Say, go and do this, go and do that, go and do that. And when you are healed, then bring your offering. <laughs> come and sow a seed when you are healed. This man, 10 of them came to Jesus at the time and said, Lord, have mercy on us. He said to them, go and show yourself to the priest. On the way, they got healed. He wanted them to say, it's like, you people are under the law. You want the law. Why not go and show you? And because they obeyed him, they got healed. And one made a U-turn. He never got, none of them got to the priest. All of them made U-turn. But after the nine, after they made U-turn, they went to different zip codes. But one person said, Jesus is my zip code. Does it happen today? Okay. This other fella said to him, a leper, said, Lord, if you are willing, eh, you can do what? Make me whole. In other words, if you are faithful, really, the Father sent you to do this job. But I don't know whether you're choosing people. You can, I saw you, you know, some woman who was bleeding touched your garment and you didn't. You say, you blessed her and said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. And all the other people were pushing you and pressing you, but I'm a leper. But we're all Jews, so you're supposed to heal all of us. Let me see if you are willing. If you really, what God told you to do, if you do it all the way, huh? you can heal me. Jesus got the message. Jesus didn't just speak to him. He touched him. The man was healed. The man knew that Jesus had power, but he wasn't sure whether he was good and faithful with his goodness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Amen. So you can have power, but you will be of no use to anybody. Is that not true? You can have wealth, but you have no, of no use to anybody. You can have utterance. You can have language. You can have revelation, but you can't minister to people. Then you're not faithful with the calling of God. You can have gifts. You can have time. But you're not using it. Are we making a sense here tonight? Huh? So I want us to see the use of the word faith in the Old Testament. Remember what we have said tonight. It's usually not in the noun form. Faith. Hmm? With one exception. Habakkuk 2.4. It's usually or often in the word verb form, to believe or believe. Praise the Lord, to uh, uh, believe or to believe. Amen? And that the various, those three words in the original language Hebrew, they are a man, meaning 
to stand firm, to confirm and start firm, and to what? To believe or to trust. Is that correct? And from there, you got the word, amen. So when you say amen next time, don't just say it as a religious word. It has to be a confirmation. So we use amen many, uh, you know, many times these days to do many things. Sometimes when the preacher is speaking long, you say amen to get him to, to stop him. <laughs> or a preacher wants to wake some people from sleep, say amen. <laughs> and they wake up. So, and that's what we have done to the word of God. But this time, you have to learn that amen is a covenantal affirmation of the truth of God's word. And we saw also that uh, emuna or faithfulness, amen, applies to both God and to man. It means that commitment on the side of God, the covenant commitment uh, to be, uh, you know, commitment to man in his response to man and man's needs in his relationship with man. God is consistently what? Committed. That means faithfulness or reliable or dependable. Is that correct? And amen. In fact, when we weigh him sometimes, we think he's late. Remember the graveside of Lazarus? He showed up, they thought he was late, but he wasn't late. He deliberately took one day extra before he got there. Because when he gets there, yesterday, today, and tomorrow make no sense. They make no meaning. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So he's faithful. He, you, he may not go along, get along, you know, go along with your calendar, but he's faithful. Are you all following? Huh? And then as far as man is concerned, is that attitude. Let me say this to you. And I something we'll emphasize when we get to the New Testament. Don't let your faith and the exercise of faith into belief be a kind of up and down experience. Are you all following? You at the end of this teaching, you will move from faith to faithfulness. You know why? Because the righteous shall what? Live by what? Faith. It didn't say the righteous shall exercise faith when the need arises. Are you following? Which is what majority of Christians do. We only wait for the need. In fact, sometimes big need to arise. And then at that time, somebody says you need big faith. And then you start walking up on your faith. Walking up on your faith. And nothing happens. But if you are on cruise, cruise control of faith, that's the righteous living by what? Faith. Faith on every little thing. You have to go by what? Faith. And before you know it, you develop the big muscle known as what? Faith. Praise the Lord. And that's why you don't have to ask Lord, the Lord to increase your faith. You keep going. Your faith will be rising on its own. Are you all following? Praise the Lord. A faith in everything we do. Hallelujah. I say praise the Lord. If you have been blessed tonight, just stand up. Let's close out. Thank you, Lord. I said, were you blessed tonight? All right. So lift your hands up unto him. You know, that's a sacrifice we offer him here huh? on a regular basis. And begin to talk to him. I'm not hearing you. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Matarabo. Mantekese. Jebondoko. Zentekeria. I'm not hearing you. Thank you, Lord. 
Can you speak up? Speak up, speak up, speak up, speak up, everybody. Raise your voices. Raise your voices. Raise your voices. Makarando. Jeboriande. Jepoko. Jepoko. Jeboriande. Nambokoriande. Nabokoriande. Jeboriande. Thank you, Lord. Father, we worship and we honor you. We thank you, Jesus. Makarande. Zepokoria. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And Father, we honor you. We stand and give you the glory. We stand and give you the honor. Be exalted, O Lord. Be magnified. Hallelujah. 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 